Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I'm privileged and excited to be in conversation with a visual artist, writer, teacher, and curator living in good old Baltimore, Maryland. Please welcome Sarah Clough. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. And um, as as we kind of start off and get into I feel like we, we did the pre-podcast before this podcast. Mm-hmm. But... Um, um, could you tell us a bit about your background, your your first experiences in art? Just share the get get Clough with it. Share, share the story. <laughs> Clough with it. Oh wow, that 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 can't be done. All right. Well, I I found myself in Baltimore, um, you know, several years ago. I've been here for about six years. I came out here for grad school um, and doing art at Micah. And um, before that, I spent 18 years in Oklahoma. Oklahoma City um, was where I spent 10 of those years. Um, So I'm from the Midwest, and um, it's been really wonderful in Baltimore for the most part. Um, Lots and lots to do. Um, I guess if I'm thinking way, way back, like (laughs) first art experience, I do recall like sitting at the dining table with just like printer paper and big pens and just like scribbling until they all ran out of ink so I think I was really you know into mark making from an early age um I guess I was a is it a, an abstract artist an expressionist <laughs> like right off the bat um but you know I, it beat me scrawling on the walls so that's what <laughs> that's what my parents gave me but yeah it kept me occupied I've always been fascinated with it like to me it's uh, it's interesting every time, each and every time. Um, but yeah, I got better. I got better. I definitely, it's definitely visual art is something I've worked at and, uh, you know, since early childhood. I love it. That's great. That's great. Um, I, I look back and, you know, when I, when I start thinking about that question, I'm like, what was one of the early things that I was doing? What was I into? And, you know, I, I think, some of those early things you, you're replicating, you're taking into account things that you're seeing. Like I was sketching, mm-hmm. drawing comic book characters, and mm-hmm. I still have my old art bag uh, in my closet in the, in the studio. And I have these old um, wizard magazines that I used to draw out of. And it's like, I'm going to draw the X-Men. I'm going to draw the Power Rangers. I'm going to draw these different characters. Oh, and yeah. Yes. That's what I was into. So was there something that comes to mind that you were into like as, as a young person that you're like, I'm going to try to draw this. I'm going to try to replicate this. I'm going to try to make this from a, from a, from a, from a arts perspective. Oh, absolutely. Just like you mentioned, like I was very, very into illustration and cartoons. So like what I saw, you know, uh, on VHS and, um, on TV was what I drew. And I just, I remember really, getting into what is it Animaniacs <laughs> I was into Animaniacs so hard um, I loved drawing them I think they did you know really bizarre facial expressions that I really appreciated they were really funny um, I was also into you know what is it I, I was so into specifically like what is it the 
late 80s, early 90s, like Disney films, like, you know, The Little Mermaid, The Lion King. Yeah. I loved drawing those. So, and I even, what is it? I was even, gosh, I was into a lot of <laughs> genres as a kid. Well, like the kids in my class were really into Ninja Turtles, like, and I was in first grade. So I started, I hadn't seen them, you know, I don't think my parents let me watch them because, you know, they're just kicking ass all the time. <laughs> but, like, I drew them. I saw them, like, I got you. I'll draw you, <laughs> Michelangelo, whatever. But yeah, no, I, illustration was, um, just another, uh, just another route I took with art. Yeah. And, um, I think, you know, I think most of my childhood, I kind of saw myself becoming an illustrator just because that's what I was into. Um, but it's just now, now it's just one more, you know, really specific genre in this thing called art that I appreciate. And this thing called art, I, I like yeah. that because it has a loose connection to the Animaniacs with an episode when he had a uh, Prince on and this thing called <laughs> life or what have you. <laughs> they always had the best guest stars, didn't they? And bring on real people. I loved it. You know, of course, uh, I enjoyed the good feathers on there as well. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, I like yeah, no, they were hilarious. Like, I, that and God, Ren and Stimpy. I got into Ren and Stimpy. Um, yeah. Just those were, I, you know, I watched them like as a, as a, like a late teen and an adult in my 20s. I was like, these are demented. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I liked them at the time, but I had no idea how demented they were. Like, <laughs> just it, it, they're dark. They're dark. So it, it's I, one of, it's one of those things where, for me, like if it's animated, it's like this is for you. And when you see something like that, it's like this is this is not for kids. This is left. <laughs> and then it, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, no, it's for people like in their basement who kidnap people because there was like episode, <laughs> what is it? There was an episode where Mister Horse kidnapped a walrus, and <laughs> what is it? He was hiding him in his house, and like. <laughs> there was some people going door to door so I can't say it they were selling rubber nipples and you know from bottles and he answers the door Mr. Horace has like I don't know where he was wearing them but he was literally wearing them like he had some on his elbows I think and his knees and then that poor walrus comes out at the end and he just says call the police <laughs> it's, it's, it's so dark it's not for kids it's not no, for kids no it's like true it's like it's like true crime and animation <laughs> right right so let, let's talk about um sort Sorry. of no 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 that's 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 great actually um <laughs> so Let's talk about because your 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 background is not only the visual arts, which you're going to dive into a bit more, mm -hmm. but also there's there's writing in there. So how does like your creative writing and, and and poetry sort of inform the visual art practice and the themes that are explored within your work? Oh, sure. I think I would have to say it's very very loose. Um, it's um, more of a tone and a mood and a very, maybe a turn of phrase even, um, rather than basing, you know, a work of art off of a piece of writing I did. Like more often than not these days, I'll just pull, um, you know, a phrase, um, from my poems. Um, and I'm still, uh, I'm still really working on how to, 
thread those two practices together. Yeah. Like, um, I'm thinking of different ways, uh, to have text show up in my work other than just literally showing up very in it, you know? So uh, what is it? And I would say, you know, that part, uh, the writing part of my practice has been there for a long time too. I remember very much getting into books and writing as a very young child too. And so I was so excited to be able to read it. <laughs> I just spent, you know, a lot of the time going to the libraries and running through them. And, um, I think I think that's the way it's going to be, you know, my whole life. Like sometimes, I, you know, people will ask, you know, you don't you choose one thing or the other? And I don't think I've ever been the type of person to choose one thing or the other. It's all it's all there. It's always going to be there. And um, yeah, so right at the moment, it's very it's very um, loose and abstractly tied, um, and maybe it'll show up in a different way in the future. Um, but really, it's. These days, it's a tone and a mood. Like, I go from there. Like, the feel of this poem. Yeah. And what's that work going to look like? So, you feel like it's almost this sort of, I was burying a lead just a skosh there, but purposefully. Um, so, tell us about, like, your your process within the, the visual arts side. Cause I told you we were going to get back to that. So, let, let's talk mm-hmm. about your process from conception to like creation. And there's a second part to that, but I at least want to start off there, just not to give you, here's everything. Here's my word vomit. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> but uh, tell us about your process. Oh gosh. Um, it, it really takes two, um, two distinct directions these days. Um, there's the part of my process that really surfaces just from uh, working in the studio and doing material explorations and, um, uh, you know, trying different techniques. So it's not rare, I think, for visual artists to just kind of stumble upon something that really, really sticks with you. And oftentimes it'll come across just, what is it? In my mind, I always have this list of things I want to try in the studio, you know, this to-do list of I have, if I try to tell myself, well, I don't got anything to do, I, I, I'm like, no, pull out the ideas, try it. Um, so there's that part of it where I'll come across, like, I want to see what this material looks like layered with this. And so I'll try it. Um, so that's pretty, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty the standard way a, a visual artist will operate. So I'm no different in that respect. But then there's the, the part of my practice these days where, um, once I just once I find you know material manipulation that works with my uh, the text I'm incorporating you know then I'll try to you know flesh it out and do a series, um, and so I really you know tried to be more disciplined in that respect really follow an idea uh, in its iterations and instead of just hopping from one little exploration to another which is something um, I do just because it's fun I'm definitely an artist that I can't do the same thing every day in the studio without getting bored quickly. Um, so these days it's definitely, um, what is it? I found, I found a way because I think the past couple of years I was trying to see if I could, um, really spatially parse down my practice and to work smaller. Um, when I was, uh, in graduate school, my works were, you know, medium to large scale, um, towards the end there, they were mural sized in some, some instances. And, um, I was like, well, can I do, can I do this, um, you know, abstraction with glowing text on paper? Like, what would that look like? How is it, how's it going to look? So I've really spent the past two years trying to work smaller on paper and, um, my most recent works are, you know, a series of 
God, they're like 30, 30 small drawings now. And I found something. I was like, okay, this, this doesn't bore me. It has room to grow and branch and that's where I am. So yeah, it, it takes a couple different directions these days. I, I like when there's that opportunity to kind of do what you're doing, like stay within, like I'm a visual artist writer doing mm-hmm. what I enjoy, but maybe looking at it from a different perspective. So, you know, as I was telling you about earlier and doing these like sort of other series or what have you, I'm still doing what I'm doing, but I'm trying to stretch the boundaries of what that might look like to keep it mm-hmm. one interesting and challenging. Yeah. And, uh, cause if you're just doing the same thing, I could just say, Hey, spit out a bunch of questions. Let me ask every artist the same question. Here's the visual artist questions. Oh, let me put a writer question in there. And there's limited variety or even in doing like you get into a conversation. I, I remember, it was one I recorded yesterday that I thought it was going to be about 35 minutes and it ended mm-hmm. up being an hour and 20 because we were just improving and just, just mm-hmm. kind of talking and it came off maybe more natural, um, than, you know, having yeah. a framework, you know, you have a framework of questions and a guideline that you're going to go within, like, here's my canvas, if you will. Oh, but, yeah. um, what am I going to, what am I going to get at the end of the day from this? Yes, absolutely. And I enjoy the broadest of frameworks. Like it, I don't, I absolutely don't like to, um, you know, be an artist that writes down rules for yourself and you make yourself follow them. Like I have heard about some some people are very just married to their process and like, it's going to come out that way. Was you're going to go in that studio and from like, you know, eight to five, you're, you're going to draw like the same shit every day. And that, um, you end up with a cohesive body of work, right? But is it work you enjoy? And is it work that like, says anything to anybody else you know it's, mm-hmm. it's a that's that's really the question um yeah no i'm absolutely and i i think what is it when when talking with artists it would definitely uh gosh it would be a terrible shame to ask the same people you know the same question because you're yeah you're not getting you don't, you don't want that like no, yeah, the loosest of scripts yeah the loosest of scripts works for art and for podcasts because it almost turns into uh, uh, content versus like creation, and mm-hmm. and and, I, and the second question actually kind of ties into that. But I at least want to mm-hmm. say say this: where you think when we get into this point where we're we're doing content, it's like this sort of notion of asking, let's say, you know, in these different interviews. If it naturally comes up, sure. But if it's mm-hmm. just like here's a script that I go by and I ask everyone these same five questions, then that makes it almost digestible and reformatable for. Uh, long tail, short tail content. This makes it, you know, an Instagram clip or what have you. And it's like, that's not the purpose of this. That's not mm-hmm. why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. But in that exactly. vein, in that vein, everything mm-hmm. is content. Everything is content. So in terms of sharing your process, uh, how do you determine which parts of maybe work that's in, in process that you want to share, maybe process components that you want to share, just different things that mm-hmm. are leading up to, you know, potentially the kind of finish part, because I know visual artists never quite, quite finished, painters never quite finished. So, so what parts do you want to share? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah, no, we, I, 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 you know, I don't even think it's art, like visual artists that agonize over that. I think writers do too. And I definitely am that way as a writer. Exactly. Um, uh, no, I, I, at some point, I just have to look at what has come out of the ideas and the process. Like, 
like and look for those content threads like am I sticking to a similar theme with these works do they are they in any way thematically tied content wise are they um are they tied in how I made them and you know what I sometimes I've, I've been very wrong sometimes I've started some work and you know, just poo-pooed it, and I'm like, all right, that's trash, and it goes in the drawer, and then I'll pull it out, you know, a year later, and I'll see new potential, so sometimes your instincts, you know, will lead you astray, but most of the time, most of the time, I, I really just go with, uh, you know, have I seen this before? Is this interesting? Is this anything I would want to look at <laughs> and talk about, you know? So I really, I really look for, you know, um, trying to do something new and that's god that's a tall order you know it's a tall order but um that's that's what i'm really looking for um trying things that i haven't seen before um so that's what i sort out that's what i try to show people because i do a lot of uh you know work i would just characterize as you know just abstract works abstract paintings and those those typically they work in the way i mentioned earlier like i'll figure out some material manipulation i could use later but um you know, I store those away. They're like little uh, exercises, I call them, exercises. Um, you know, I heard, I think this was as an undergraduate, but I remember hearing um, a poet talk at my school, Ted Kuzier, and he was talking about his process. And he said, you know, he worked most days. You know, he wrote poems most days, but he said, ultimately, he only shows like 12 <laughs> to people here, you know, he, I guess between him and his editor, they decided, you know, and that, to me, I loved hearing that because I was under the impression everything I made needed to be good. Like, <laughs> and that is ridiculous, you know, that's, that's absurd. Um, even, even people who are capable of, if you know, amazing works are going to turn out really mediocre stuff from day to day. And that's yeah. fine. I have kind of, I have to remind myself that's fine. You know, the important part is that you are working at it in new ways. You know, go back to it. I, I think I think that that's a very crucial point there where, you know, it may be, let's say, I, I, thought, I started thinking of musicians and, you know, maybe some music-related <laughs> questions or musicality-related questions that are coming up. But yeah. um, I think about, like, musicians and, you know, or, you know, it's not disposable per se, but it may be, this didn't make the cut for the album. We're going to do 13 mm -hmm. songs on the album. We recorded 50. So mm -hmm. all of those aren't going to make it. There may be yeah. a deluxe edition. It may be, hey, you know what? This isn't, this is B quality, but I can at least put this out later or what have you. Or even this idea where, you know, not every interview one may do has the same energy and feeling around it. But ultimately, mm -hmm. what comes out of it, whether it's the lesson, whether it's something you learn in the process or what have you, that comes out of it makes you better and improve for maybe that next interview or the next series of interviews. You're getting something out of it um, yeah. that kind of helps you move along and grow as a creator, as an artist. Exactly. It keeps you sharp. You know, it keeps you uh, – there is a such thing as getting rusty <laughs> in art. And some people tell you otherwise, but I've found it to be true. Like you, like anything, you'll, you'll, you take enough time off of it, you won't know where to begin once you get back in there. So, um, yeah, it keeps you in practice. Creative muscle memory. <laughs> <laughs>
is. It's, it's tiring to flex that muscle. <laughs> we have to do it. So could you describe, I read this, this in your, um, in, in your bio, I'm looking at again, the, 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 the Baker, um, it's the Baker art like page or have Baker artist page. And uh-huh. I read about, uh, this, this idea of like the musicality and language. Could you speak a little bit on that? Oh yes. Um, to me, um, language, language has a musicality because to me it's similar, um, to poetry and music um, and that it has like a, you know, it's got a rhythm. It's got a, there's a cadence to the way people talk. You know, every, everybody, like they, they speak differently, individual to individual, you know, they have a register yeah. or what is it? A dynamic to their voice. You know, how, how, what, what volume do they speak? Um, God. And even, even noise, <laughs> like some people, <laughs> Some people, you know, do a lot of, you know, grunting and mm, and hemming and hawing, you know. Um, And I like language for that reason. Not just, God, not just like speaking, although I do very much appreciate it in day-to-day speak. And I'm very much a fan of accents, you know, of all all kinds. Like, I think they're great. They're fascinating. They tell you so much, you know. Um, But that's to me text is the same way like like the way writers put words together like good writers you know good writers that stick with you they they you know they spend a lot of time considering the order in which they put those words the words they chose to include the ones they took out like to me it's a uh, god it's it's very much parallel to music in that sense um yeah that's how i look at it yeah, I, I I like the use use of um of diction. Like I I, I watch uh, Succession, right? And I like uh-huh. Tom Wamsgam because he talks in a very specific way, and it's like that's my guy. I'm waiting to hear what uh-huh. he says and how he says it. And it's definitely you're right. There is a certain musicality there that you're like, oh, it's like you're playing an instrument. It's almost it's almost. Like I like a lot. I like rap music, and you're almost yeah, waiting for yeah. a person to pop on a song and approach it in a certain way. It's almost the same way I look to hear for somebody talking. It's like, oh wow, you you strung those words together in that way. And if there's yes. a certain accent to it, it's like, oh, this is this is like an instrument. Got it. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It, it's you're absolutely right to bring up acting because it is. Yeah, they're giving a performance. It's is in many ways similar to the way, you know, people recording artists do a performance or people do live music. Like, and God, that's everything. It's like your, it's like your signature style. You know, I love, I'm very much, uh, in, you know, into music and I used to play and sing in like my younger days, but I, I love like being able to, what is it? A song comes on. I've never heard, but I know who it is. Like I can tell by their voice <laughs> I can tell by their delivery and, yeah, no, it's it's great. Um, those modes of expression. Yeah, I just see see lots of parallels um, between language, text, and music, and not just was it not just music that involves words, you know, instrumental music too. I I spend a lot of time listening to instrumental music, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially if I'm trying to go to sleep, like I I'm a, I have trouble sleeping. And uh, which is probably why I do so many podcasts. Uh, and <laughs> makes sense now. <laughs> my, my secret. Um, I get it. I, I think you know. I'll put on maybe 
like sometimes if I'm, I need to process something in a different way, I'll throw on an audiobook and I'll listen to that. And if there's other times where it's just like I'm not sleeping for whatever reason, um, it's a little bit more dis- disrupted sleep and it's like an ongoing thing, a reset for me is let's just put on something. Let's just put on sounds. It's not whale sounds. I don't need the whales. You know, I might need like those Bob Ariel beats or, or something like that or even like even classical music, something that – doesn't distract me because those the words are another part of it and i find if you know if i'm coding or something or if i'm like processing a lot of information and i need no distractions it's got to be just it's got to be like just no no lyrics has to be straight instrumentation it's it's so true i i can't not listen to the words if there's words in it um and that's that's why i I I think of when I go like to the BSO performances, they're very relaxing to me. Um, even if the music is agitated, you know, um, it's just it's a whole it's a whole it's a whole other level, and it's more. And you know, like you said, it's it's parsed down and it's uh, it's more focused. But I, I like that about it. It's definitely it's it's got its own unique and value. Was it really valuable role? How does your art practice connect like visual art with language and, and science? I recall reading that. Like, what sort of insight does this intersection offer into the connection between mm-hmm. like these these fields? Like, we talk more and more about what STEAM, you know, that that area have you putting the arts within STEM. So let's talk about that a little bit. Oh God, it's yeah. I know I get really up on my high horse about it being STEAM and not STEM because I would say. I can't divorce, you know, visual art from ways that it is really based in chemistry, like especially painting. Um, and what is it, if you're sculpting, it's based in physics. Like, you know, you have to have knowledge about the way your materials interact with the, with the physical world. Um, and I'd say, I think it was like last summer, I was, I, I, I have siblings who are in the more hard sciences, so to speak, um, of the steam end, you know, and the computer end and the, and the, um, chemistry and geology end. And they, we talk, we, we talked so much about this stuff. Um, and I noticed, what is it? My sister was getting, she was doing like a geology course and she was showing me these, they call them thin sections of rocks. And they, I guess, um, basically shave off a part of a rock and you get it down to like a few millimeters and then you put it under this microscope and you know for light at it and then you see these very very um, visually beautiful forms and shapes and textures and I was floored I was floored I was like oh my god that's what my sketchbook looks like (laughs) like this is what comes out of me um I just noticed that God, um, all those abstractions I'm doing, they're really bio. I've heard it before, of course, like your work looks like uh, water or space or, you know, landscapes or rocks. But I didn't really realize that it was um, both at a, a macro and a micro level. Like it looks like tree bark, um, but it also like looks like <laughs> the inside of a, of a rock or a, a meteorite. And so um, that, that part of it's there. But then there's also with this... Um, in terms of like the work that's glowing, yeah. um, I 
I, I had to really, or I wanted to really understand at a basic level, like what's going on scientifically with these works. Like why, I want to be able to tell people why do some of them still glow when they take the work, you know, when they take the UV light off of it, why, why does the light fade? Why does it not always just, you know, steadily stream in the dark? And, um, it's really, it got me on a whole, <laughs> a whole very, very fun, uh, you know, different kind of research uh, tunnel where I was looking up uh, not just like the physics of light and watching novas about space time travel, but I was also like, I was, I was exploring the ways in which like, you know, a lot of organisms, you know, emit life uh, or emit light, you know, that's a, that's a sign process. Um, it's a nonverbal process, but that's a communication process. And then I just got geeking because I'm like, <laughs> it's more of those themes and it's just more ways to, uh, gosh, to bring in, you know, science and to have a fun research thread yeah. to your work. And, um, but yeah, like some of my work is, was it made, it's made with materials that are phosphorescent. And so, like, they'll glow a bit after you take that light away. And then some of them are just fluorescent. Like, they'll glow when that light's on and then nothing at all. So I like to play with those, um, you know, kind of uh, physical facts of light um, in the visual art, too. And it keeps it very, keeps it very, um, and in like, like intellectually interesting to me. And also, it keeps it, um, keeps it very... What is it? It brings an interactivity and playfulness into the work that I would say my work before didn't really have. So it just it was a whole new aspect to it. Like I was, um, you know, I was inviting people to really explore what light can do in the work. So yeah, I hope <laughs> that was a long answer, but I hope I hope um, it made sense. It did. And it actually answered a question in that I didn't write in because I was going to ask you about light, but I think I got some of that answered there. So <laughs> shout out to you. You kind of got the thing. You're like, you kind of tapped in. Like, I know what Rob is thinking. And there you go. So so shout out to you on that. Light. Yeah. Light is fun. Light, light is, light's ridiculous. It's, um, I don't know. I, <laughs> it brings, it brings in a whole new appreciation of art because like, like if we don't have any light. We're not going to see any art. Like it's very mm-hmm. basic. It's very basic. And like, if you're a painter, like you have to appreciate light. Like, and for, and photographers as well, you know, like, you know, oh. they, they're always playing with light. Of course. Yeah. Videographers. And so, yeah, to me, it's so funny that they would come up with an acronym like STEM and not include art. Cause there's so many jobs for artists mm-hmm. that you have to know the tech and the science of it or else you're just crud. <laughs> like you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, you gotta have the basics. So it's it's just ever excluding the creative class, the artists of the world, always excluding them from the bigger conversations. And yeah. you're right, you know, it's it's sort yeah. of this this overlap. And I, I'll say like I start thinking more and more about the conversation of the market business and how that goes with art. And there needs to be more of some of those conversations um, mm-hmm. that just brings it together. Cause there's naturally going to be overlap. Like I think a lot of artists are entrepreneurs or at least have some sense. And a lot of entrepreneurs are creative in a way that there's art to different things. Um, going back mm-hmm. to the sort of musicality thing, right. Where, you can have a conversation and give very specific details and be very technically sound. 
and not get the deal you know, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And then yeah. you can say something that sounds really good and it's just no merit to it. But it's like, you know what? We like what you said. We like the way that you delivered that. You know, we're going to give you this grant. We're going to give you this funding. So there's there's an art to that. There's a skill to that. And I think sort of more of those conversations and those sort of intersections and even bringing in the science thing because there is definitely there. And I think more of that needs to happen instead of folks being siloed to you do this, moving on. You do that, moving on. Yes. Yes, because if you really do want to make a career out of it, like you've got to be able to do. Gosh, you have to wear so many hats. (laughs) And a lot of them I found are very uncomfortable hats. Like, I almost wish there was, (laughs) what is it? I was talking with. I was talking with somebody. I'm like, where was the class for networking and schmoozing in grad school? Because I didn't take it and I needed it. <laughs> like, I, I'm just learning it. I'm just learning it in this this spot now. And people are like, oh, yeah, you talk, you're great on stage. I was like, no, I am not. I have this glass shield of shame and embarrassment that I call a computer <laughs> screen that prevents me from making a tit out of myself in front of people. I get that. Like, I get that. I've, I've thought about that a long time. I was just like, what do you? Why do I need to learn that stuff? That stuff, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a it's a constant reframing for me. Like if it's you know because I have a I have a business degree and it's like hey work at Rome do this and apply those skills. It's like I was a business a bachelor's of science. I was an IT guy. That's what I was yeah. doing. And those are different skills. It's not Joe marketing guy. <sighs> yeah. No. And they're they're very different. And I I admire those people like that. That is absolutely a skill. I don't mm-hmm. know if it can be taught. <laughs> I think it's in practice. I think it's practice. Yeah, yeah. you got to learn it. you got to learn it. Like, I, I was forced in school to talk to people, and I was very uncomfortable about talking about my art when, like, and I started. And I was, I was just agonizing over it, but I got better. They yeah. made, what is it? it the, what is that therapy? Um, immersion therapy, yeah. right? They just throw you into the snakes, and you're going to find a way. <laughs> no, and now look, you're doing podcasts yeah. and such, talking about your work exactly. and talking about what goes into it. So, yes. <laughs> which, which brings me to this question. Um, how, how's your background in teaching? Because that's another thing that's there. Background in teaching and curating impacted your artistic practice, um, your your creative sensibilities, your, your goals. Talk about that a little bit. Um, I think in a positive way, there, it's, there's both positive and negative uh, kind of aspects to that. Um, in a positive way, it has really made me think about what I'm trying to say with my art and how am I saying it. It's made me be thoughtful about the content of it. Because when you're teaching, uh, what is it, um, styles of art to people, contemporary artists, historical artists, like there's uncomfortable things that come up, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> historically, there's things that are just terribly horrible and unpleasant but like I don't know it being a teacher has um enabled me to kind of acknowledge those things um that come up you know that um, are problematic you know yeah. um, like a lot of what is it historical nudes you know they're very problematic and those art practices are but um you know we still show them we look at them and really they've taken on a whole different content like I've noticed in years like I don't show work like that but I was explaining it to somebody you know I was like well it used to be about ideal form 
you know, mm-hmm. celebrating beautiful bodies. And now it's more like visibility. It's like, who's, who are we looking at? Who are we noticing now? Who's worthy of being in a work of art? So yeah, I don't know. I, I, a lot of times, um, I think it's made me think about how, what I put in my art mm-hmm. more critically, um, and how it'll be received, you know? Yeah. Um, what is it like a negative part of it though? I, I noticed like, what is it? I, I'm not teaching full time right now. And that's like for like the first time in like 12 years. So I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, I have time to think about my art and make my art. Yeah. Like, um, and it would take, you know, it just take up a lot of your energy and a lot of your, uh, what is it? Your emotional energy too, physical and emotional energy. And I, and the paycheck was so poor. And so like, I really thought about that. I was like, I spent that much time doing it. <laughs> yeah. Was it worth it? And, you know, I really, I really loved, like, I really do love teaching, teaching art. I love discussing it with people um, of all ages. Like I worked with all ages, like little tots up to high schoolers and, um, I don't think, yeah, I don't see myself going back to teaching in that setting anymore just because they, they want your soul and your heart and everything. And it's like, when, (laughs) when is enough enough? I, I remember talking with one of my professors, I was like, they really, they celebrate martyrdom and I don't want to be a martyr (laughs) for our education. You know, I want to have, I want to preserve something for my own practice. So Yeah. yeah. One of the, you know, like I'm at this, this sort of stage where, you know, I think I was, you know, telling you before we got got started into this that, you know, multiple hats, all uncomfortable, none of them fit, and uh, <laughs> yes, and it, it does take away. Like, if there are various buckets that, you know, we as individuals we have to like spend time. Like, you know, your art might not necessarily be the you bucket. There may be a separate bucket. Like my art is something that I'm working on. It takes time, it takes energy and so on. The job is a separate bucket. Uh, family life, a separate bucket, socializing, separate buckets. And it's like <laughs> you start making these sort of deals internally of where am I going to put this time at? And am I going to be exhausted when I'm putting that time? Like when I'm doing at one point, I remember I did six podcasts in a day and <gasps> And I was just like, <laughs> I don't, and I don't want to drag, you know, I want to give everyone their due. I have no control over if the interview is going to be good or whatever, well received or what have you, but I, I don't want to like, you know, half ass it and, yeah. you know, because I'm exhausted or what have you. So I try to be more mindful of that, but still it, it, it is work. It is stuff that you, we're, we're working on and it's fun work It's you know, work to play and all of that, that loop. But yeah. You know, certain things take maybe backseat, um, especially when more opportunities present themselves. And the martyrdom thing is real, is I yeah. find that, you know, there have been people who don't have much energy or support who've maybe flaked on four or five interviews. And it's like, I prep, I book studio space, I'm doing these different things. Uh, and it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. So hard. And um, it's like, we love seeing the struggle, you know, we love seeing the work that you're putting in. It's like, yeah, help me take this to this next level or help yeah. me get this interview with this person or whatever uh, it might be. So there's a certain sense of that yeah. martyrdom that goes across the board, I think. Yeah. Like I want, I think, 
think anybody in the creative field and has to do as many, what is it, unique jobs. Like, <laughs> you have to do so many unique jobs, and it's ridiculous, and we know it. And I just wish it wouldn't be so expected of you and so celebrated. Like, um, like the, the, the whole hustle culture can be very uh, unattainable and toxic. Um, like I'm all about, like you said, working hard. Like I want to put good work out there and I want to be, um, you know, I want to put the best work out there I can, but I also don't want, like, I don't want to put myself, um, in a position where I can't have time to myself and my family. Um, you know, like that's, it's like what you were talking about with this negotiations. How much energy am I going to put into that bucket? And how many buckets are there? <laughs> like, how many buckets are there? Um, and then, and then so recognizing yeah. that it's the buckets are there because the ceiling is leaking. That's that's the thing. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's leaking with responsibilities <laughs> or what have you. You're like, look, I got to get this bucket down. Damn, it's a new leak. Something else to do. And, you yeah. know, a lot of it yep. is great. You know, sometimes it's leaking whiskey, yeah. and it's like, oh, let me get some of that. But, but other times, it's like, this is this is cat piss. I didn't want that in at all. Yeah, actually, exactly. <laughs> I just described that one needs to be thrown out and never. I just described yeah, work as cat piss. <laughs> That's great, actually. So, I got I got one more real question. I think that um, that that connects really well um, with with that last piece we were talking there. Mm-hmm. How do you define success as an artist, as a person? Um, are you are you there yet? Are you in that direction? And ultimately, what do you hope to accomplish in the next year or so? Mm. Yeah, I was thinking about that I, uh, when you said that. Um, I see it in really kind of separate compartmentalized ways for myself and myself as an artist so like I was uh, for myself as an artist absolutely I want to do more local shows and more solo shows like it's been a few years since I've done a solo show I'm like oh god I want to do that again I love being able to you know fill a space with just my ideas like um, I think you had mentioned it before like I like the shows I've done are like a lot of group shows lately, you know, a lot of out of state shows and stuff. And so what is it? Sometimes it doesn't feel was you miss out on the fun part of, of an art show where like if it's out of state and you don't see it, like you don't, you don't know how the art necessarily interacted with the other works, unless these mm-hmm. galleries put it up on social media. Um, you don't know what is it? You miss out on the, what is it, the connectivity you get and the relationships you get with other artists. So definitely um, as a goal for success as an artist here, I want to, I want to, you know, build more relationships yeah. within the community, you know, not keep such a, a low profile. Um, share my work more with like, uh, you know, more locally. Um, and just have more shows. Like that's fun. That's of course, I, I was thinking of like, solo shows being like when you put out an album like you work on those ideas and you work on that um those pieces for you know usually a few years before they come out and yeah i like that kind of structure to it It makes people like me who has a lot of different was who have a lot of different aspects to their practice focus it and that's helpful so i love that um yeah and i was also thinking in terms of 
what is it, success as an artist? Yeah, it's success as an artist would be, you know, being both visible, but also giving something to your community, um, you know, being, making sure everybody can see your art, you know? I think that's part of the job. Um, I'd like to work on that. Um, as a person, as a person, I think, like we talked about, uh, work better on, I would say authentic relationship building within the mm -hmm. profession. I feel very gross every time I have to like ask for a reference letter or put people down as a reference. Like I feel like I'm really bugging them, you know, but I really, I really need, I want to reframe it and I want to get better at like, no, I, I want to talk to this person because I admire the work. First yeah. of all, I admire the work and I want to know, the ideas behind it and so to me that's authentic that's not gross yeah. um so yeah i want to quit uh being shy about it <laughs> that's i mean <laughs> you know? th that's something i had to kind of get over in, in doing this like you yeah. know I, I appreciate the the community and i do a certain broad thing like in talking with artists and you know folks in in culture broadly and you know, sometimes it's like you get some of these sort of unkind emails and it makes you gun shy. These unkind responses it makes you shy that you're already shy and like, oh, I don't have it. And sometimes you just have people that you're like, wow, I thought we connected. Hey, maybe we're friends or whatever. And uh -huh. no, that's that's not necessarily the case. It's just like we, we had a cool conversation and that's kind of that. And um but yeah, I think, you know, especially like when you're in a, a certain scene, it's like, I see you. I see you regularly. I see you in this space. Hey, I'm going to say hello. And, yes. you know, some of those sort of interactions where I don't think it's done with malice, but it does throw it off a bit. It was like, oh, all right. Had you oh in this God. thing and it didn't really work out. <laughs> oh, God. And, you know, Rob, it just made me think of how weird the past few years have been with the pandemic in that sense. Because I, you know, we've all been wearing masks for a few years <laughs> and I've like shown up at openings and like, what is it? People like they, we don't recognize each other any longer. Like I've embarrassed myself. <laughs> People I've worked with don't recognize me out of context, like in the studio with them. So it's weird. So it's like it, it upped the awkwardness. I think the pandemic did because nobody can face read anymore. <laughs> like this is why I wanted to come up with the see-through mask because people just look for my squinty <laughs> eyes and they're like, because like in person, like I'm six four, but in in this land, I'm just a little dude in a box. People think I'm short. So yeah. when it, when I pop up in reality, it's like is that. Is that wrong? So we see you, yeah, we see you on a little square. We see, yeah, exactly that. It's exactly that. So, yeah. Oh, or they're waiting for me to talk. <laughs> yeah. It's that part of it. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, I and I never talk when I go out. I never talk to anyone. So, it's like, I think Rob Lee is here. I never say anything. And then it's like. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I see you, I'll, I'll, I'll absolutely say hi. And it's okay if you don't know who I am because, like, you do a shit ton of podcasts. <laughs> I was it's like, oh, fun. that's Clough right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, okay, you know what? There's another part of this. I want yeah. I want to be, like, I want to try to be a more, uh, I want I want to explore, like, the more, like, relationship building of life. Like, being a good friend, being a good uh, sister and a good daughter and all that. Like, yeah. <laughs> was, I'd say coming from Midwestern parents, they're, uh, they're so... Midwestern culture is so, um, especially 
like the more northern Midwestern people, which are my parents, like Nebraskans, you know, they're very hardworking, but humble and quiet and stoic people. And like, I side hug my dad, you know, so <laughs> like I have to, I didn't really, I love my parents. I love my family. They're, they're, they're great, but like, I didn't learn how to socialize. <laughs> like, hey. so, yeah. So that's being a good person is really to me like, Oh, you know what? Like, uh, what is it? Letting people know you care about them. Yeah. you know and then following through so i'm working on all of that <laughs> i like i like hearing that though that's 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 yeah. really good and i think you know definitely it's a i think a message that a lot more people can because of this sort of hustle that we lose that bit we lose those pieces of culture you know that oh well i don't have time for that and it's like well you need to make time in yeah. you know i i you know as we're recording this it's sort of around like a you know it's in the holiday season as we're recording this and you know i made it a point to kind of reach out to some of my people you know i can't reach out to everyone's 500 interviews plus or what have you but you mm-hmm. know i reach out to some people and say hey man I haven't seen you in a while i hope everything is well and and say hey man we got to get up soon just schedule a date set a date or what have you mm-hmm. i think those things just become kind of became kind of deprecated and we just yes. don't do that anymore. It's like, well, I saw you on Twitter. No. Yeah. And I got really lazy. I don't know if I've always been this lazy, but I noticed this bad habit of mine. Like when I do want to socialize, just like once in a blue moon, like I'll get out and I, I'll, I'll be lazy about it. I'll ask, I'll, I'll send a mass text to my friends. And I'm like, do you want to hang out? And that is terrible. I, I had to examine that. I'm like, that is the laziest shit I've ever seen. Like, lazy. You know, like, no, I need to specifically, you know, make time one-on-one with people. And so, yeah, I I, I have a bad habit of downplaying how important that is. Um, and one thing that I've gotten to doing, um, and, and this is where we'll close that before we get to those rapid-fire questions, uh, I've gotten into doing, um, like, like, thank you notes. Like, you know, to, uh-huh. especially if I'm, you know, someone gives me a, a studio visit or what have you, it's like, you're welcoming, this is going to sound so metaphysic or whatever. You're welcoming my energy into your creative space. And that, yeah. that matters. That means something. Or there's been some times where I've, and I really like chefs and there's been some times I had the opportunity to cook with chefs oh, and they cool. show me something. So I'm like, all right, here's a thank you note. Here's like a piece of merch or something that there's uh-huh. an exchange. And I think it's a way of doing things. That's to me. That's a very. I, I think thank you notes are a really authentic gesture because, especially if you you know you mail it, you put it in the mail, like you write that note, you stamp it, like that's. Yeah, I, I think that's a big deal, and you're absolutely right. Like, and I've always, whenever I, I've written them, I, I'm like, I finally I did it right that time. You know, I'm like <laughs> way too happy I got it done because yeah, my to do lists are dumb. Like I really. This is horrible. I got thank you notes I have to write from like a couple of years ago. Uh, like I'm bad. I'm a shithead. <laughs> There's this thank you note that's I'm been lost better. in the mail. <laughs> I'm getting better. Yeah, no, I'm gonna get better. That's my goal. Okay. Well, thank you. I think I think we got it. I think we got it. And now I got five rapid fire questions for you. Don't overthink right. them. I've I've been adding them as we've been talking. Don't overthink them. Uh, they're fun questions. Uh, brevity is key here. Here's the first one. Okay. Are you more of a thinker or a doer? Thinker. I'm going to save this last one because I think it's really funny. Uh, what is your favorite accent? We talked about that a little bit earlier. <laughs> Absolutely Southern. Okay. Southern accents. When I moved 
down to Oklahoma, I was initially horrified and then <laughs> and then I loved them like and I only learned to love them at, and when I picked it up <laughs> like I subconsciously picked it up no but I love southern accents there's a possibility that I may relocate to New Orleans and I already have my alias and everything set up as Robert Delacroix and I <laughs> <laughs> I love that no it's perfect no good choice good choice <laughs> I, this, this podcaster well, suddenly is a radio guy. <laughs> we will have to talk about aliases another time, though, because I, I have them too. Like I have online presence that I've had. I, I don't have to give it. I don't have to say it publicly, but like my Facebook is an alias, and it's been that way since like two thousand six. And uh, yeah, I'm all about that. I'm all about that. That's perfect. Robert. Robert Delacroix. Uh, yeah. What is your favorite genre of music? Psychedelic folk. That's very specific. I like it. Uh, are you an early bird or a night owl? And I feel really good that I came up with that sort of wording. Oh, uh, absolutely night owl. Okay. I dread every morning. Lastly, this this is something that I, I really, I'm really looking forward to getting an answer on. What is the most overused word in quote unquote art conversations? Like just one that makes you cringe. You're like, you could have said something better. I am over detritus. Really? Yeah, maybe that's very specific. Um, I hear a lot. Well, God, there's a lot of there's a lot of art speak and art artist statements about people talking about detritus. It's visual artists, and I'm even an appreciator of detritus. And it's just it what gets, is that? It gets old. It, it means like. The, the leftovers are trash, the oh. overlooked stuff. And so I, that one's kind of, that word is annoying because, yeah, a lot of people are just like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> 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 I didn't know what it meant either until I heard it, and then I kept hearing it, and kept hearing it, kept hearing it. I was like, just call it trash. Just debris. Trash. Refuse. It's debris. Yeah, residue. Like, yeah. I don't know. That's... You should always, as a writer, like use the word that's plain and it's more, it's clear. You know, I've been guilty of, it, of using words like that sometimes, and it doesn't work. It never works. Don't use them. I'll say there's no detritus in this podcast, and uh, <laughs> and with that, no, you're on a tight ship. <laughs> and with that, I want to I want to thank you for um, indulging me and in being on this podcast, and um, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the listeners where they can check you out um, and follow you and stay up to date on what you got going on. So the floor yeah. is yours. Oh well. Um, I would just like to say, um, follow my Instagram at Sarah with an H dot Clough, Clough, C-L-O-U-G-H dot R. Um, I do process photos. I've gotten into some stupid reels lately and you can join them the few hundreds <laughs> if you follow me because bad, I'm bad at it. So, um, but no, look, I, yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. Yeah, follow that and uh, my website, www.sarahclough.com. And yes, I just want to say it's a pleasure being on your podcast. Lots of fun. Thank you so much. And um, I'll wrap up there. So I'm Rob Lee for Sarah with an H, Clough, saying that there is art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. <laughs> <laughs>